1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place.
2: We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A side Live chat here on MMAfighting.com. It's, of course, <coughs> as I cough, Wednesday, midday for me, still morning for Casey. Early afternoon for all my listeners on the East Coast. And then I'm not even gonna try to comprehend time zones anymore of the UK, Abu Dhabi, wherever and anyone is listening to this show. But thank you for joining us here on the A side. Shorty Torres is supposed to be here. He is currently stuck in traffic in the Dominican Republic. I'm sure I'll tell you all about it when he arrives. But he is supposed to be here. When he joins us, he will be thrown right in seamlessly. He's a pro, uh, pro fighter and pro podcaster. So we'll get him in once he's available. But joining me this week, until he shows up, Mr. EK Sylvan and Casey, how's Englewood? It's going okay. I
3: think that, that's how the phrase go. It's all okay in Englewood. Englewood is fine.
2: Fine, yeah. Englewood's fine, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's starting to get winter here in Arizona. We had a blistering cold high of 82 yesterday. So, I had to break out the winter park. everywhere. I wish I wish that I wish that was a joke, but it's not. People in Arizona find any reason to start wearing winter clothes.
3: Yeah, it's it's 60 de- oops, it's, it's 60 degrees right now, so I have the fire on right now and to stay warm. I'm wearing my where my wearing my Jack Johnson Roots of Fight hoodie, so I busy. had one
2: of the one of the original line uh runs from uh roots of fight and the first one i got was jack johnson and it was back and remember when the old roots of fights they were made well but they weren't as made as well as they are now because mm-hmm. they weren't as professional yet this was probably like 2013 2014 so i now i have a shirt that says Ax sun like all the letters are gone <laughs> it's heard, like, it says Ax sun uh and then it has giant and giant everything else but all my letters peeled off but i pretty much have that same sweater but anyway mm-hmm. Enough about sweaters, unless you want to talk about sweaters. (laughs) This is, of course, side Live Chat. You can ask us any question you want on Twitter, the site, the YouTube comments. You can text me because people have done that before. Uh, If you have my number, you want us to talk about whatever. But (laughs) without further ado, Casey, what is our first question?
3: First question. All right, here
2: we go. Tan Gwen, Tan Gwen, two, two, 2013 on Twitter. How can the UFC get more people excited about the men's flyweight when they couldn't do it with Demetrius Johnson? So, yes, I guess this is alluding to this weekend's pay-per-view, UFC 255 between Davidson Figueiredo, UFC flyweight champ, who puts his title on the line for the first time against Alex Perez, former Contender Series uh, alum and winner. Obviously, Davidson Figueiredo is supposed to fight Cody Garbrandt, so I think that was the big selling point. As uh, Cody's obviously one of the more remarkable fighters and one of the fighters that the UFC really likes to push. Davis Figueredo is not one of those. If he had beaten Cody Garbrandt, he would probably have gotten the shine, but that's not the case. So, Casey, how can the UFC get more people excited about the men's 125-pound division when they couldn't do it with arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time when he to top that weight class?
3: I have so many opinions on this, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, I feel like I've been. We've been getting. I, haven't we been asked the same question for the last ten years? It's, yes. It's, it's in. Yeah. I. I just. I feel like we're going in a loop. I don't. Um. I don't know, man. I, to me, I. I still think it's up to Dana White. Like, like, like he needs like. He needs to sit when he's watching fights. Instead of having Hams Hamsat next to him, have fucking have freaking Figueiredo next to him. Have Joe Benavides on his shoulders. I don't know. Just like treat these guys like they're badass dudes, rather than going like, "Hey, this little guy occasionally can knock someone out," you know, or something like that. I don't sure. know, man. Like, you just you you gotta you gotta treat these guys like they're top of the line fighters and not like. Like Brandon Roval and um the Brandon and Brandon, um acting Brandon Roval versus the Moreno, that should be I think on the main card. You not not don't don't treat that fight not as a free fight you get to watch on, you know, ESPN, but like these guys are so good, you're gonna you have to pay money to watch this fight. And like not just a championship fight, number one contender fight. And I think that's why you put it higher on the card, because it gives it more value. Because even though less people will watch it, they, it's a, it's a better experience because like you're you're paying money to watch. this. these guys are so good. You're paying to
2: watch it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. something
3: like that. It's, uh, I don't know. It's
2: like, I th- I think the 125 pound division specifically, the men's has had a lot of bad luck. Uh, I think it's a little a combination of a few things. Demetrius Johnson is one of, if not the greatest fighters who ever lived. I'd probably put him top five in MMA history, not UFC history. He's Obviously, the greatest flyweight who ever lived. The problem, it's not a problem, it's that he wasn't this big, loud character that the UFC likes to push, like the Conor McGregor's, or even like Habib has a thing to him, Tony Ferguson has a thing to him, like that's why people aren't getting like lining up to watch Stipe fight, because he's not this big, loud, boisterous person, and that's not a knock on the Misha Johnson whatsoever, because I don't think that should be the be all end all of selling a fight. On the other side, he was supposed to be part of a lot of big cards, and for reasons that were out of his control, those plans were changed a lot. Like he was supposed to be on UFC 177, he was the co main event of Dillashaw Borough 2 uh, after Dillashaw shocked the world. Borough passed out. So then they had, or no, not that. So then there was a whole lot of shuffling there. So it ended up being Dillashaw versus um, Joe Soto. Soto. But before that, UFC 178 was supposed to be uh, DC versus John Jones 1 before DC pulled out. So then the Demetrius Johnson got plucked from 177, so he just headlined a card he wasn't supposed to. you know who else was on that card? McGregor, Poirier, one, Romero, Kennedy, Nunes, and Gano, the return of Cruz, Eddie Alvarez debut. So pretty much everyone, and he fought Chris Carrioso. So the main event of that stacked card had Demetrius Johnson and Chris Carrioso at the top. Uh, and then he headlined a couple Fox cards, which is awesome, and he said he, he preferred those because he got – uh, all the money from Xbox for being on free TV rather than a pay-per-view. He was, again, supposed to have, be the co-main event of the Montreal card, which is, again, supposed to be Broward-Dillashaw 2 before I think it was Dillishaw pulled out this time. So it ended up being Demetrius Johnson versus Horiguchi, which is an awesome fight, but, again, not the original main event. Uh, he did get to co-main event against, it was supposed to be, what, John Jones-DC 2 again, if I'm not mistaken, before DC pulled out. And it ended up being John Jones-Oven St. Preux rather than Jones, D.C. So, Demetrius Johnson is getting these big marquee spots to get the rub from the people above him, and then stuff falls apart. Uh, I think even uh, he he even headlined a a co-main event. Was it – did he co-headline the Nunes Shishenko two-card in Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken? I might be mistaken.
3: uh, He was – no, no. No, no, he was supposed. Oh, that was he was supposed he to main supposed event. To. It was a uh, main yeah. or no, co-main event. against uh, Coleman. what's his name? Um, Ray Borg.
2: Ray Borg, and then
3: Ray, Ray Borg, Borg had problems. Like
2: yeah, so about they, it they beat and then man. they moved it and then they moved it to Vegas, and they stuck that in the co-main event for an interim lightweight fight between Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee.
3: You know, I just realized. Um, actually, this is the problem. I just when you mentioned you mentioned all those fights and everything beforehand, what it was. <sighs> And this is Dana. And this is Dana's prom. This is the UFC's prom. To make that flyweight division what people want it to be, they need to create a rivalry people care about. And they had it. They had the rivalry with Cejudo and Demetrius. They had it, and then they lost it. They for the first time you can have done Cejudo versus Demetrius Johnson three as a main event pay per view, and there would have been real hype, real trash talk. At least from Sehudo. maybe I don't know how Demetrius would have gone I about think, it,
2: but I think it, it would have been hard because Demetrius Johnson doesn't clap back at people. It
3: doesn't matter. It doesn't but matter. I get it. I get it. I but you totally know that, get but it. You'd be yeah. need, but yeah, yeah. you need a real rivalry, and that would have been a true because it'd been one-one. You had the Demetrius had a knee injury. I still thought Demetrius won the rematch, won the second fight, even with oh. the, even with the knee injury. Um, I, I I do acknowledge it was a super close fight, and Cejudo could have taken it. I mean, if you think Cejudo not won the second Robbie, fight. It was a super close fight. I still had Demetrius winning it, even with the messed up knee. And you had an opportunity to have a true pay-per-view main event flyweight fight. Real, real you know, everything on the line. And the UFC, um, yeah,
2: they got Ben Askren instead. <laughs> and without Ben Askren, we don't get Jorge Masvidal. And... and <laughs> You know, that big argument yeah. everyone keeps saying. It's funny. Yeah. Even Dana White was like, people people complains that uh like people are like, Oh, one championship won the trade and then one of the commenters was like, Yeah, but they never would have gotten the five second knockout if they didn't make the trade and Dana yeah. was like, Thank you. Yeah, but
3: they I was yeah. like that yeah. was not I'm like
2: Dana White, you did not trade for Ben Askren thinking he'd get knocked, knocked out. But yeah, if you, want, but if you
3: want you wanna play that game and you can go and you could can- that's, that's just that's a silly game to play yeah the, uh-huh. can go go to the strike you can go back to strike force well if they didn't get because they, they got Ben Askren they got they got mazarov um, in the strike yeah. force deal you know so yeah. yeah we can go on and on
2: we um, never would have gotten Daniel Cormier if was yeah. it Alistair Overeem didn't pull out of the tournament the Grand Prix <laughs> yeah exactly thank you Alistair Overeem um but I think that's
3: what's missing honestly I think there's no rivalry um maybe if uh you know if yeah, I hope maybe if Figueroa Perez is gonna be a great a great fight, maybe it creates a rivalry. I don't I, I just don't think Alex Perez is that guy to create that rivalry. Um at least at least as far as um trash talk wise. But um yeah, they don't there's no, there's no big rivalries at twenty five. Am I am I missing? Am I forgetting one? Like No, uh, not there's not there should there could have been.
2: It could've been. Like even like uh, they got been.
3: rid of Horiguchi, you know, like Horiguchi's right there, you know, but
2: yeah. So the problem is Demetrius, like people would trash talk Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson wouldn't respond, and then he'd make you look foolish. So he'd be like, "Told you." Like, remember when Ray Borg talked a little bit of trash about his grappling, same Chris Carriasso, and then Demetrius Johnson won. He's like, "Got him," and then he just like walked out. Like that was it, which is cool. I like I like that style of trash talking, but uh, I love I love the Demetrius. fights weren't the fights weren't competitive.
3: You know, but the, like when Anderson was rolling to the 85 I division, agree. people were complaining about Anderson. They were complaining about the middleweight division. Middleweight division sucks because it's it's. A they needed a shell. You it, needed a Yeah, the Anderson needed that shell. He, he needed Vitor. He needed that that rivalry. He it needed, would have
2: been. It would have. It was set up perfectly. Anderson Silva's front kick KO was Demetrius Johnson's suplex armbar. Yeah, like greatest knockout, greatest submission in UFC history. Like if they're up, I know there's a big argument, but in my mind, like those are probably top five, yeah, easy. top five, Yeah, top five. And then the re- the rivalry with Sahudo was there, and then they didn't pull the tra- They obviously they they couldn't pull the because trades happened and everything, and they booked Sahudo uh, against Marlin next. But was it Marlon? No, it was TJ. It was TJ in January on the first ESPN Plus card. So yeah, I agree with you. This, the 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 ingredients were there; it just didn't happen. All right. Well, that's a bummer. All
3: right. Let's go to the YouTube comments.
2: from Tristan Gordette, another longtime commenter. Uh, what about – is that what WB means? Yeah, sure. What is WB? Royvelle Ra- Br- versus Brandon Moreno happening this Saturday for UFC 255 on the prelims. Do you think the winner gets a title shot, or will the UFC still book Cody as being the next challenger? It'll be Cody. It'll 100% be Cody. I think Dana White's already said it. Cody's already said it that whenever Cody returns – he'll probably get the flyweight title fight. Um, if it is Davidson, I, either honestly, either. If Perez and Figueredo are such action fighters for the flyweight division, I actually do like Cody. It's not fair, but in terms of a national fight, I do like that for Cody versus either of those two guys. Uh, but in terms of what's fair, the winner of Brandon-on-Brandon Brandon should fight for the title next. Then you also have Manel Cape versus Pantoja. You got Askar Askaroff out there. So there's a lot of things that need to happen. What I don't want to happen is Brandon on Brandon happens, and then they have to fight again. Like, I, like they should get the title shot or the winner of Cody versus whoever. We don't know when Cody's coming back. Um, so if he's out for a long time, probably. Brandon, oh, I see Brandon Vell versus Brandon Randall. There was just uh, no space between W and, and B in the question. Uh, so, yeah, Brandon on Brandon should be number one contender. It just probably isn't.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
3: Um, I think it depends on how awesome that fight is. If Roval, 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 Roval and Moreno is a fight of the night, which I think it will be, who knows? Maybe it could. Maybe it could. Maybe um, Dana might feel lucky. We don't know how. We don't know how injured um Cody really is. Um, so if. The winner of the title fight wants a quick turnaround, and everyone's yeah. ready to go in three months. Maybe that might be the fight yeah. to run back. I think a lot of I, it is, I think a lot of has do have timing, but yeah, um,
2: I I agree. Also, people keep saying the the Brandon on Brandon fight's probably going to be the main event, uh, the the fight of the night. Figueredo Perez could easily be fight of the night too. Remember Figueredo versus Pantoja in Edmonton, the fight you and I were at. Mm-hmm. That fight ruled, and that was buried on the prelims. So, that, uh, and that still, won, that was a that was a rare prelim that one fight of the but, night. But
3: look, we're, we're 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 arguing right now which men's flyweight fight will be the fight of the night, and yet we're, we're mm-hmm. also still talking about why don't people watch men's flyweights? You know, so it's just it's a weird. I don't get it. Yeah, world is dumb. World is dumb.
2: <laughs> From Roko Sladic on the YouTube comments, do you think that Kevin Holland has a real chance of beating Hermanson in, in December? uh he has a chance i would heavily favor jacker manson uh but kevin holland's been on a roll jacker manson i don't think there's any question has been way better competition than kevin holland like the win over Ray, the win over kelvin he only i think his only his most recent loss was to cannoneer uh, when he got knocked dead so yeah i heavily favor jacker manson who's been in a full camp preparing for darren till now it's kevin holland kevin holland has had a lot of fights, and a lot of fights fall out, and a lot of opponent changes. But I heavily favor Jack R. Manson. Casey, uh,
3: yeah, got favor Jack R. Manson, but Holland's the type of guy you just don't know. That's what makes it. That's what makes him an exciting fighter because you kind of see all this maybe untapped potential in his fights. You, you know, you just kind of like, man, like this guy could be really good. Um, and how old is how old is he's twenty eight, so you know he's hitting his prime. So, uh. Maybe those previous losses we saw from Holland was just him working his way up to his eventual
2: prime. Yeah, and maybe that I shows think, up. I think the a big issue that he's going to run into. I was at his fight in Jacksonville, Kevin Holland. I cannot remember who he fought for the love of me, but he called out Mickey Gall for 170 pounds because, and like his reasoning was, a he wouldn't mind going back to 170, and Kevin Holland's like. I'm not the best grappler, and my submission skills and defense are not the best. So I want to throw myself into these fights that I'm uncomfortable with. You can't be a bad grappler and have bad submission defense and fight Jack Manson. The dude will choke, grab your leg, grab your neck, grab your arm, grab anything. So, again, with all that in mind, I heavily favor Jack Manson. Kevin Holland is a bad dude, and if he wins, I think he'd be right near the top of my fighter of the year list. But think, we talked I, about and, that. Yeah. And and I think, I think I
3: honestly I think I think Kevin Holland's a oh he is six three. Okay, okay, never mind. I thought I thought he was um I never actually stood no. next to Kevin Holland, so I thought he was more of a watch weight, just not cutting away. Mm-hmm. I know he can cut the watcher weight. He's
2: like uh he's like Mickey Gall where he looks like he should be uh, weight class below him, but he's so tall for the division. Yeah, I think it just like he's like, how tall is Izzy? Six two, six three? six three. Yeah, six three. I was like, okay, he's yeah. six three. That is that is yeah. kind of hard to John make. John Jones is John Jones is six four, yeah. so it's like, yeah, I think Kevin Holland at one eighty five is the place to be. Yeah, but um, but how
3: how tall, how big is Hermanson? Hermanson's got to be like,
2: yeah, Hermanson's only six six one, but obviously he's wider. So I'm interested. Way in that fight. Like wait? Yeah, he's yeah. a frame. <laughs> They do share a common opponent, and they've, they've both lost to Thiago Santos at 185. Yeah.
3: Dude, and Holland's fight versus Santos was awesome. He came in he came in like Last on a week's minute. notice,
2: yeah, and it was yeah, a really after, exciting uh, fight, yeah.
3: That was a fight, fight they got him the in, in the UFC, day. I
2: forgot. Yeah, right. because he taught all that greasiness on the contender series, and he annoyed Dana White so much that when they needed an opponent, they were like, throw him in there. And now he's like...
3: I, I never understood that Dana was like, "We want trash talkers." Oh, that guy talks trash. Don't sign him.
2: Whatever. I think Dana, Dana's argument was it wasn't the best fight, and he was still talking trash. And the dude's like, "Calm down."
3: Well, was was he in the con- was he in the, con- the first season of the Contender Series?
2: It was a very early Contender. Oh yeah, series, but ba- he was ba- back in the top. Ba-
3: ba- back when you back when yeah when they were actually picky about who got the contract. If he if he if Kevin Holland was on this season's Contender Series. He- he would have got signed by the second round.
2: He wouldn't even. They didn't have to go into the fight. The early contender series fights in the tough gym was not as polished as it is now. Because like, did you watch those early contender series fights? That actually it was,
3: the First season was the only one I watched. After that, it I quit, was I quit watching
2: it. Some of the fighters backstage that because like man, you know how they all line them up and then they announce them like live on ESPN and like yeah. they have like the. the it's fine. It's whatever. Make a game show. Back, okay. They didn't do that back. So, like, sometimes the media would be like, you didn't get the contract. Like, the media would have to break to the fighters. That's how unpolished it was in the early seasons. Well, but, well the UFC
3: figured out that, oh, this make this a game show rather than fights. Oh, wait, wait. We got someone. Get Someone's calling. Someone's calling in.
2: Shorty. Hey. There he
4: hello. is. All right, my internet's really bad here. So, <laughs> can you guys hear me? Or everything all good? We,
2: you're crystal, man. Everything's Yay. good right now. Aces. Look at that, shorty. We teased it. How's the traffic in the Dominican Republic?
4: Dude, it is horrendous. Like, there's only two lanes. Everyone drives like a maniac, and <laughs> somehow there's no accidents, but. Like there are lights, but no one at all obeys them. No. It looks like it just, just they all treat them like yield signs. Like people just go, and if you get hit, like you get hit. That's it. And they just sounds like Mexico.
2: Going. Sounds like Mexico this City. One, I feel like I'm
4: one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna get hit by a car whenever I step out of my hotel there or family house. Anyway, well, thank you for joining us. Do uh, You want to tell yeah, us why I'm, you're in the Dominican Republic?
4: I'm literally all sweaty. I'm actually commentating. I'm. I'm not the. I'm not the play by play guy. I'm actually the color commentator. I've been upgraded, so I'm on, I'm on the spot here. But I'll be commentating for Fighting Force this weekend on Saturday as Lexic Man heads the show, uh, making his debut. And I'm really, really excited for that because he is my manager, and I got to punch him in the face for this camp. So ah. I'm hoping, <laughs> obviously, everything goes well. Um, and then on Sunday is Titan FC65. So I'll be commentating back to back for both shows. And I think I actually have two different guys. I have Rico Rodriguez as my commentator a co-host on Saturday, which was a UFC former champion. And then I have Ulysses Diaz, the guy who got the three-second KO in BKFC, commentating with me on Sunday. So I'm excited.
3: And by the way, three seconds, it was more like two seconds. I saw it.
4: Yeah, it was really like, (laughs) dude, and that's the crazy part. Like, like it's so awesome to be like, dude, I got a two-second KO, but how does it feel about the other guy? Like... Oh, I, I feel, got knocked out. It happens, but uh, two seconds, though.
3: As a fighter, do you feel bad for when other fighters lose, like, within, like, 10 seconds, 20 seconds? I always feel, because, like, to, to lose a fight before you even break a sweat, I don't know. I just think that's, that's just so, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to watch. The, I the feel hardest, bad.
4: The hardest part, the hardest part about the sport, I'm pretty sure, like, we've seen KOs that have probably ended a little too quick or, mm-hmm. like. You know, ended up happening a lot faster than expected. It's one of those things that you can train your ass off to be the best in the world. You can have literally the best training camp in the world, but somehow you blink for one second, the guy just punches you, and that's it. It's over. You know, or like Anderson Silva could be losing all four rounds, even all five rounds, mm-hmm. and in the last minute gets a triangle and wins a fight. The same thing with these KOs. So, hell, I even feel bad reposting videos that I <laughs> ko people in. Cause i'm like damn i'm friends with all these guys uh i'm sorry man <laughs> i gotta <laughs> highlight myself
2: casey what was the most heartbreaking sub-minute knockout you can remember i have my answer oh um
3: like well i was just kind of like, secretly rooting for a fighter and they just got demolished like oh you're muted
2: something happened this the scene oh. in the set, Sorry, i hit this one the oh, scene in yeah. the setting. Was a little emotional. Like for me, I always point to Mark Hominick when he walked out in Toronto. Mm. Was it after his after his coach passed Uh, away? Yeah, and he walked out to "I'm coming home," and it was like just so sad. And everyone was like, "Let's go, Mark!" This big, big emotional moment, and then he loses in seven seconds with Mm. the Korean zombie. Yeah, just pop, pop. Yeah, that was so. Oh yeah, is that the one where like he he kind of like touched
4: hands and was like just
2: trying to punch immediately? Yeah, he touched hands. Yeah. Yeah, he tried, he like touched and then he tried to throw like this lead hook, missed, and the Korean army just came in with a straight yeah, just, and just, just like just, erupted on his face and then finished it off. It was, it was a good stoppage. At the time, people complained about it, but I do not think it was a bad stoppage at all. No,
4: no. Wh- whatever happened to Mark Hominick?
2: Um, He retired after he lost to pa- Pablo Garza. I know that, but I don't know what he's up to these days. Might be coaching stuff. Might a good be run. coaching. Yeah. He had a good run, he was an OG. He was an OG for sure. I think he had, like, 30-plus fights in a lower weight class back in the early 2000s. So, it was like, he was an OG anyway. All right. Yeah, Do you know I'm, the anyway, – I'm, you- so,
4: I'm so sweaty. I got, like, swamp ass right now because I just feel like I'm <laughs> outside with Juan Borta who's, who's fighting this weekend, and I forgot that I'm not in fighting shape. So, he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll just run a nice little pace. And he just takes off. I'm like, "Ah, oh, damn. All right. All right. <laughs> just go, you know? So, it's – yeah, I'm, I'm all sweaty. Let's do
3: this. Well, hey, well, the the, cam- the camera's only, you know, chest high, so if you want <laughs> yeah, just... to air, air anything <laughs> out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the A-side
4: turns That's into right. a hey, a side hey,
2: hey. <laughs> Anyway, Shorty, you know the drill. We've been getting questions. We've talked flyweight a little bit so far. You weren't here for the question, I want, but I'll I want... ask you, how can UFC get more people excited about the men's flyweight division when they couldn't do it with Demetrius Johnson?
4: The good thing is that Davidson Figueredo and even Alex Prez, even if he wins this fight, they're both, in a sense, knockout artists. Davidson Figueredo, man, he's been knocking out everyone. He's not the wrestler, but you look at his last two performances, Joseph Benavides. Luckily for Figueredo, they really, really, really banked and highlighted Joseph Benavides for both fights. You know, so automatically, even though he was technically belittled, it's kind of like Amanda Nunes versus Ronda Rousey. Even though she was belittled, she was the victor towards the end of it. Now everyone's like, damn, this is awesome. Like, who is this guy? Because we knew nothing about him and he destroyed the, the person that they were highlighting. But then you look at Alex Perez. If Alex Perez wins, he's the very first champion in the contender series. The UOC is going to boast incredibly about him and then try to pick up more talent in the contender series. So, you know, it's a win win for this fight. And that's why it is a main event, even over the women. Valentine's Chanka, the best, you know, woman flyweight in history. But, um, You know, when it comes to getting them excited for every other fight, like Brandon Moreno or Formiga, which sadly he got released, which is really, really crazy, um, or any of these other guys, that's the hard part. I don't see them. I see them putting them on maybe like the very first fight in the main card or maybe the second to last fight in the prelims, but um, that's the hard part, and that's something I can't even really figure out. Like, oh, how are we going to figure, you know, really boast about Brandon Moreno is probably the next guy coming up that's, Super wild, super entertaining. What, what is the other guy from Colorado? I, think, I believe he's from – Brandon Rovell. Brandon
2: Rovell, yeah.
4: Revelle. He's he's just like Brandon He's Marino awesome. Style. He just, he just yeah. has fun. He does his thing. So those are two guys they can really, really highlight and boast about because they're fun and exciting. They both know jiu-jitsu. They both know the stand-up game. And they're both just trying to put on a show and having fun in between the rounds as well. So and even their interviews are pretty fun. So that's a good thing. Brandon Moreno's learning how to really promote himself when it comes to the Latin American – um, mm-hmm. Culture as well, and you know all the Spanish speakers out there. But when it comes to highlighting the rest of the division, that's that's the hard part. It's great that now the fans are like, "Oh, flyweights, we care about them. We're going to watch them." To where now they could be a main event for for a two title <clears throat> fight show, which is great. But the problem is, how are they going to highlight the rest of the division? I I don't know.
2: I think moving forward, just the fact that like after this fight, the fact that there is conversation over who's next. Yeah, I think it's a good thing because we're kind of entering that territory where there's like both Brandons. We got Brandon on Brandon, Ravelle Moreno. We got Manel Cape and Pantoja, which that fight absolutely rules coming up. And then you got, got Askar Askarov out there who had who fought Brandon Moreno to a draw. I wish they had run that back instead of Brandon on Brandon, but I get it. And then you got Cody floating around out there. So I think mm-hmm. moving forward, we're going to have a lot of fun flyaway scraps mm-hmm. uh, on the horizon. And, of course, Kai Carr France, who – is, is his teammate in City Kickboxing. He lost to Brandon Ravel. He's not out of the picture whatsoever because you know the UFC really wants to push City Kickboxing. So I think it's a uh, – I think the <laughs> UFC flyweight division uh, is in a better place than they've been in a long time.
4: They, they're they easily the in the best place. I, I was literally talking about it earlier with Juan Puerto. I was like, man, it's crazy how when I got signed, they weren't trying to sign people because they were kind of like whatever in division. And then when I made the post about Demetrius Johnson, that's when I got released. That's when Jared Brooks got released. That's when Justice Coggins Everyone started being, you know, diminished, and it was like Thanos snapping his finger. Everyone slowly started disappearing, and now there's literally less than half the division left. And then the only person that I believe that I got re-signed was Brandon Moreno. Which hey, man, like I'm, I'm happy for him. But then you looked at all the other guys that have been signed that usually have been last minute or signed for less money than the original possible ten on ten or twelve on twelve contracts that the male flyweights were receiving. So. It it's a little bit different, but it's nothing but win for the UFC because now they have to pay less fighters. They have to pay less for these new fighters. And all these new fighters are like, yeah, I'm in the UFC. Let's try to work our butt off to put on an amazing show. And so far, everyone's doing it. So now the fans are behind the flyweight division, which is amazing. A little too late, too soon, you know, type of thing. But, you know, rather late than never. So Right now they are 100% in a way better place than than what was expected. Where now there's no flyweights. Again, we have what 15, 16 guys now.
2: Yeah, we have enough for a full ranking. Yay.
4: Right now. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe a 2020 uh, fight roster. Yay! Finally, right, go. we're going back
2: up. I think they. Re- I think they. Was Louis Smolka one of the ones they re-signed? He got released, right? Yeah, he got released. He fought
3: but, a couple. He, he came back to 35 though. He isn't. He came back yet. with the weight. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, you...
4: which, which again, that, that made me hate a little bit on him because, then again, it's nothing against Louis Smoker, but Louis Smoker lost four in a row and yeah, then it gets did. cut. And then almost like two months later, gets re-signed at 135. A lot of us flyweights were like, dude, it's okay. I'll fight 135. They're like, mm, "No, nope, sorry, you're cut. And then there was a handful of flyweights that were like, you know what? We do like you. We'll allow you to bump up. And then maybe if the flyweight division slowly starts to get better in popularity, we'll let you move back down. So there was only a select few that they let happen. Me, obviously, they're like, get out of here. Who cares if you had another uh, uh, belt at 135? No one cares about it. So it's given I'm hating a little bit. But again, it's the connections and the people you know, and then it becomes a little political. So it is what it is.
2: It is what it is. Flyway's it <laughs> rule, though.
3: I think Flyway's I think, I think, I think so rule. Yeah, I think it's to answer every question. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, uh, 2020, 2020, it is what it, yeah. Is, what it is. yeah. yeah. It
2: is. <laughs> All right. What is our next question, Casey? From Daniel Pompilio on Twitter. Pitbull keeps murdering people over at Bellator. Yes, he does. Is he the best 145er on the planet? I can see him taking out Volkanovsky. So, yes, Shorty, I'm sure you saw. I watched it. Casey watched it. Patricio Pitbull, who, in my opinion, is the greatest Bellator fighter of all time. I know uh, Douglas is there. Uh, I'd put him right there. Obviously, Michael Chandler's in the UFC now, but you got to put him on the list. But in my opinion, Patricio Pitbull is the greatest Bellator fighter who has ever lived but do you think he's the best 145-pound fighter on planet Earth, regardless of promotion? Shorty, I'll start with you.
4: I do because he has gone against some of the best competition right now. Volkanovski, the champion, hasn't defended the belt. So, you know, bes- or I guess besides Max Holloway, you know, there's not really – much to say after that. You know, he needs to be tested against other guys. You know, Pitbull has been tested. He's been through the ringer. I would love to see him do cross promotion stuff, maybe Horizon again, maybe the UFC one day. I highly, highly doubt it. You know, swallows as as the pride and does a cross promotion thing, but you know, the UFC is number one for a reason right now. So they don't need to try to possibly, in a sense for them, belittle themselves to go to a possible smaller promotion, uh, to get any type of publicity or say that their champions are better for whatever reason. Cause I think if they did a cross promotion with Bellator, and Bellator Fighters won, it would look really, really bad in the UFC and start to put up some fame for Bellator. So um I would love to see some cross-promotion stuff. I don't see it happening, but I believe Pitbull is easily right now the best featherweight in any any promotion.
2: I was talking, we, we talked about it on between the links and we were like going down the 145 pounds rankings in the UFC. I wouldn't favor him. I think he would be pretty 50-50 against Volkanovski, Holloway, Ortega. But after those three, I would probably favor Pitbull over the rest of the UFC rankings. I I know you got, like, Zombie. you would be pretty close. But they both trained at the same gym at fight ready, so I'm kind of not putting them in that category. Um, But, yeah. Also, in my like, let's not forget, he's a champ champ. He's also the lightweight champ at Bellator. I think he's a natural bantamweight, honestly. If you see him standing next to featherweights, and he has a win over Juan Archuleta already at featherweight. Mm-hmm. Juan Archuleta is now the bantamweight champion. I think Pitbull could be a triple champ at Bellator because he is by no means a big featherweight at all. But, Casey, your opinion mm-hmm. on where Patricio falls in the 145-pound world? If you want to call him the best 45-er in the world right now,
3: I have no issue with it. No issue. Main- Me neither. No, no that, that's basically it. he's just He's just awesome. He's I think he's in his freaking prime right now. He is a dangerous man. Uh, I remember just a couple years ago for an open workout, he was waiting around and so he was just kind of bored. So he's just, we're in a gym. So he just started, you no, know, just throwing some um, leg kicks on a bag. And I was just like, oh my God, he's just warming up. That is a dangerous man. <laughs> you, you, you okay? You okay, Shorty? What'd you drop there? Banana? I dropped my banana. It hit the ground? It
4: hit the ground. Oh, whatever! Five seconds. Whatever. Five seconds. Okay. All
3: right, all right, all right. <laughs> what, yeah, whatever. I think. Uh, I mean, but, but 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 I just think he's a, he's a great fighter, and um, yeah, I would. I, I, like I don't know, I can't, I can't I can't say. No one can say. all oh, right, he he'll definitely beat Volkanovski. He will definitely beat Brian Ortega. I don't know, but without a doubt, he is extremely competitive against every
2: other featherweight in the world. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's not. He's not going to be blown out of the water by any yeah, music. Yeah. 155, it's going to be rough because he's already a small featherweight. I think he just clips Chandler at the exact right moment when they fought. They run that back. It might be 50-50. Yeah. It'd be similar to Cejudo Dillard because the fight between uh, Chandler and Pitbull was the same fight as Cejudo and Dillashaw. Pretty it lasted it. like 90 seconds, and it was one punch clipped him, and he, fin- he swarmed him. So I think they fight five, mm. ten times. I think it's 50-50. Pitbull won that night fair and square. It got overshadowed by the Douglas Lehman knocking out MVP KO. And that same night, Andrew Silva broke his leg. Volkanovski beat Aldo, and Rose got dropped on her skull. So uh, that Petruccio Pitbull performance uh, got a little overshadowed. And I was I did not like the stoppage, the Chandler stoppage. I, th- I thought the stoppage
3: yeah. was a little premature, but you know it is, I agree. It is what it is. There, I said, agree. It,
2: said it again. <laughs> all right, all right. I will yeah. say if if Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee meet in the finals of the Grand Prix, and Patricio Pitbull just tears through him, I would have a hard time saying he's not the best featherweight in the world because that's the fight that I, that's the fight I want the most in Bellator. We
3: actually we didn't get a question, but I want to talk about that. Let's talk about tonight's is it or oh, tomorrow night's fight? Tomorrow night's Caldwell With AJ versus, McKee AJ McKee versus Caldwell. Don't, I Caldwell,
2: Caldwell. Caldwell. Darren Caldwell obviously went up to featherweight after losing to Kyoko Horaguchi at bantamweight. Uh, and now he's fighting AJ McKee, who, Shorty, I don't know if you're aware, but AJ McKee was one of those fighters that Bellator signed when he was 0-0, kind of like Aaron Pico. Hmm. So yeah. what's what's uh, AJ McKee's record right now? Like 15-0, 16-0. Something like that. So
3: he's
2: that. on a, he's on like a 16-17 yeah. fight win streak, and they've all been in Bellator. So he has the record for like longest win streak in Bellator history, maybe the most wins ever beat between him and Pitbull. Talks a lot of greasiness at Patricio Pitbull. They almost got in a fight at a media day we were at. They're on opposite ends of the Grand Prix. The only way they'll fight is in the finals, $4 million. I think that is the biggest fight Bellator can put on right now, and I'm kind of glad they're on opposite ends of the Grand Prix, but I still wish – I. I'd still, I'd it's risky because Darren Caldwell is an unbelievable fighter.
4: And he's great. <laughs> Darren, it's crazy because Darren Caldwell, when he was Bantamweight champ, there was actually a good possibility – that I was going to fight him. There's there's a chance of signing you with the UFC or Bellator. And I was like in the middle. I was like, oh yeah, I'll sign with Bellator. Why not? And then they denied me. Anyways, uh, Darren Caldwell, just with him, man. He is extremely scary. Because one, he's super freaking long. It's ridiculous how long he is. No matter what weight class he is, he's probably going to be the longest guy. And two, once he gets on top of you, he might not be doing extreme damage after round one. Like for example, the Kyoji Horiguchi fight. But once he's on top of you, there's almost no getting back up. So it's one of those things that if you do get back up, that is extremely exhausting for AJ McKee. I don't know much about him, and I don't know who he's fought, you know, the who's who. But against Darren Caldwell, a former champion, going for another bout at a different weight class, like you're fighting the best of the best. And now Darren Caldwell being at the weight class that I believe he should be at, and he should have been at his entire career because 35, man— he just didn't have the gassing. Again, you watch those fights against Kyoji Horiguchi. He was just exhausted after the first round. That was me and wrestling back in college because I was doing the weight cuts wrong. So it's one of those things that being at featherweight, that's 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 a scary, scary fight. No matter who Darren Caldwell is going to fight, that opponent it has to be ready to be on the ground and work his butt off uh, and, and be, a, be able to attack on bottom just like Kyoji Horiguchi did.
2: Yeah, it, this, is, this fight to me is what the – because I favor Patricio Pitbull so heavily against Pedro Carvalho, and that's not a knock on Pedro Carvalho. I just think Patricio Pitbull is on another level. Caldwell, AJ McKee is two fighters in their prime who talk a lot of greasiness, are very colorful characters, and they just happen to be exceptional. Two of the best fighters on the Bellator roster. I think it's a lot more close to a 50-50 than any of AJ McKee's other fights before because uh, you said you did, you weren't aware of who he had AJ McKee had fought up until now. So he just tapped – Derek Campos in the third round in – was it December, if I'm not mistaken? Before that, he fought Georgie Carcanyon. It was like the round-robin part of the eight, Grand Prix. Eight in eight seconds. He knocked him out in eight seconds. Uh, and that was after uh, – when they did the stare down, Georgie was like, yeah, I used to beat up your dad in training camp or something like that. And yeah. Adrian McKee was just like, all right, guy. And then he knocked him out in eight seconds. Before that, Pat Curran, Justin oh, Lawrence. So it's like he's taken – Every fight he's had has been another step up, step up, step up. So he's not going. He's not fighting cans like a lot of people complain about in Bellator. He's getting a. Every fight he takes is another step up in competition, and he continues to win and win impressively. So this fight rules. This fight rules. If it was if it was last week, it would still like last week. We talked about who has the better card between UFC and Bellator. Even if this card was last week, it would still be better. I would still be more excited for Mckee Caldwell than Felder Dosanos.
3: I think Mckee's one of those guys that I don't think he's lost a round in his career either. Maybe very Not early, sure. but, but like yeah. at least in his last like ten fights, he, like everything's been has been, been domination um, from standing to, to every aspect of this, every aspect too. So,
2: he had he fought on the same card as his dad Antonio, so AJ and Antonio Mckee fought on the same card and they cornered each other, even though they both fought. Yeah. So like Antonio fought on the prelims and his son was in his corner. And then they just swapped places, and then they fought in like the co-main event or something like that. Yep. It's good times, good times.
3: So, anyway, yeah. just want to talk about that fight a little bit because it's awesome. Yeah, now that fight is now, so fun. Now, now, let's talk about the real featherweight goat.
2: So, who's got the stones oh. to step up to the plate? Korean Zombie, I know you won't ignore a meaningful challenge. That oh, that's Ryan Hall. Yeah. Ryan Hall tweeted <laughs> <Queen of> this. <laughs> yeah. I it, the, it was cut off at the top. Yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. So, sorry sorry. Uh, obviously Jose Aldo is at bantamweight now. Frankie Edgar is at bantamweight. Is that Josh Emmett? He seems to be hurt. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. So, why, so, why is so, Dan Kay crossed out? Well,
3: let's just talk about this. It's like well, so, so. Apparently, Ryan Hall is he's he's ready to start talking. That sorry. You, you can't can you see? Can you see <laughs> Jose? Are, you, are you there? <laughs> that's
4: funny.
3: So uh yeah, I'm I'm having to cover you up, Jose. Uh, shorty. Perfectly Yeah. That's perfect. yeah. <laughs> but um man, but look at Ryan Hall. Like he's. He's, he's going to start playing the game, it looks like. Like, I'm going to talk my greasiness, you know? And I guess apparently these four fighters at the top have turned them down
2: behind the scenes. And um, that's who's left. Two of them are a bantamweight like now. Josh Emmett has no knee. And I, I so I would assume Danny is the actual one that turned him down because yeah. the other three aren't going to be able to fight him anytime soon.
4: I just right. feel like the guy from Home Improvement, who's the neighbor who just gives advice yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the back side of the fence where you can't see the rest
2: oh, of his face. Oh, that's funny. I like that that's right, right there. There you go. So who's next for Ryan Hall? Oh? Uh, the zombie oh, fight's man. awesome. The Jeremy Stevens fight's awesome. Holloway's are, Holloway and Cater are, are out. They just got booked up. I think Zabit's going to fight Yair, so I, I'm crossing them off. Ortega's going to fight Volkanovski, so I'm crossing him off. So it's going to be between Stevens, Shane Burgos, and... Um, Sadiq Youssef, those between those oh and Korean zombie, of course. Uh, I think Stevens already accepted Giga Chikadze, so uh-huh. maybe cross him off. So Zombie, Shane Burgos, and Sadiq Youssef. Those are the those are the three that he would have the options of. Shorty, which one would you like to see Ryan Hall fight first?
4: I would like to see him fight. All the above. Now, for, for Ryan, it sucks because Ryan Hall, no one wants to fight him. His jiu is no. that good. Who comes in starting with the MNR role? Thank you for moving it. Covered <laughs> the 12-0. Toler- I mean, it would be fun to see him fight a high-level jujitsu guy who as well knows MMA extremely well. And I think that would be Brian Ortega. You know, Brian Ortega is one of those guys that relies on his jujitsu. jitsu um, but this last fight against Korean zombie, he just started to become a boxer and you're like, wow, this is awesome. But then he shows the dangers of the guillotine. He shows the dangers of what he can't do on the ground once he does get it there. I think him versus Ryan Hall would be one of those fights that maybe, just maybe, Ryan would have to be forced to be put into vulnerable situations and figure out something a little different. I think Ryan Hall's Jiu Jitsu because that's his you know, that's his bread and butter would be better. But it it would be nice to see a battle of of, you know, in a sense combat jujitsu in the UFC. Did
3: you do you remember Ryan Hall versus Darren Elkins when Ryan Hall became K1 level, Ryan Hall? You uh-huh. remember that fight and no, he, I, he he dropped Darren Elkins two times with kicks, head kicks.
4: But I mean like Darren Elkins is kind of like me, like when he sees a kick coming, he kind of goes to it instead yeah. of away from it. So like we have no head movement like there's a reason. Like, you can't be like, oh, dude, the guy with the word damage on his chest got dropped. It's unbelievable. It's like, no, oh, yeah, it, it makes nothing but sense. So, you know, I think I think against Darren Elkins, anyone's going to look good, but it doesn't mean you're going to beat him if that makes any sense. Like, I know, I know. I know exactly. you're gonna, you're, Darren Elkins, some, every one of his fights, and honestly, he's just like me, every one of his fights, he's going to be the one getting damaged, but it does not mean he's going to lose, you know, so – he you won know, his last fight. was going to look good against him stand-up-wise? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He like, won his last he fight. He looks like he fell down he a was, mountain. He, yeah. Yeah, dude, like, it's he's like, <laughs> his his skin is just a sense of his mind. And like, you get flicked, and out of nowhere, it's like, <laughs> you know, so Darren Elkins is one of those guys that, like, he goes to the hospital to get surgery, and they're like, oh, my God, what happened? I got into a fight. But I wonder and how's the other guy, and he looks like freaking uh, Sage Northcutt after he got knocked out and, like, eight fractures in his face, like a freaking Kendall
2: you remember when uh, Ryan Hall fought Gray Maynard and he kept throwing that sidekick, that Wonderboy sidekick the whole fight, and it visibly just took Gray Maynard completely out of the fight? Because he kept trying to blitz him and then he'd get, he'd get like his neck slapped yeah. back and then all of a sudden he'd get stuck in like an Iminari role like uh, Shorty said. Weird time. Weird fight. Love that fight. Weird fight.
3: Dude, I have no issue of saying that Ryan Hall is the most intimidating fighter in the UFC because every single fighter that, that faces him has to change their game plan. They can't go, I'm just going to fight the how I want to fight. No, you have to fight defensively against Ryan Hall. And that's why I think he is the most intimidating fighter in the UFC. Maybe outside it, him and dude, Francis. It,
4: but do you know what I'm trying to say, Shorty? Because, yeah. yeah, well, no. Well, like, honestly, Ryan Hall is just like my last and next opponent, Sean Santella, where literally they rely solely on jiu-jitsu. By they do anything stand-up related, you're like, what is he going to do? Because you just don't expect it. So you kind of have those jitters. Or you know, Like for me, I'm more judo-based. So in my last fight, I'm like trying to throw the guy, and he's pulling guard and doing something like, dude, let's just play. Like stop doing what you want to do. And I had to change my whole game because now I have to like – the, the grappler is always going to have an advantage against a striker. You look at Sabuto versus Pettis, and every single fight, you know, uh, that that corresponds with that, Pettis is a phenomenal stand-up fighter and a high-level jujitsu practitioner. But when you have somebody who's really that good on the ground that's going to control you and you know is going to go or try to take you to the ground, you always have to be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What is he going to do? I want to throw a punch, but I'm intimidated. I'm scared. And you have Ryan Hall who's going to do an Iminari role. So it's one of those things that you just don't know what the hell is going to happen, and it's scary as hell.
2: Well, point. Hey, you're muted again. I'm glad you brought up Cejudo and Pettis. That's a fight no one talks about enough because Cejudo just dominated that whole fight. All right. So, but it wasn't, wasn't the most exciting. was that the prelims fight. as well? <laughs> no, that so the problem with that fight and is because it was sandwiched between that that was on the main card. The fights around it were Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje and Ganu Overeem and Max Holloway Aldo too. So of those four fights, on including Cejudo and Pettis, of those four fights, which had the least action? Cejudo well, I, I, I give and it to P- yeah, especially yeah. especially Cejudo
4: yeah. back in the day. Dude, yeah. It yeah. First yeah. was solely
2: just a wrestler. Well, like, I think Alv- uh, no, yeah, Alvarez Gaichi was three rounds, and that was Justin Gaichi. Uh, I think he was coming off the loss to Poirier, maybe. But, again, fight of the year candidate. Yeah. Overeem Ngannou, when o- Ngannou decapitated Overeem, one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history. And then Aldo Holloway was just a spectacular fight between the two greatest featherweights in the world. And then Suhudo and Bettis were just sandwiched between all that. It was an unfortunate uh Situation because again, like Cejudo dominated that, and if Pettis had won, he would have gotten a title shot because oh, I feel like he kept getting there and losing.
3: Was it was Masvidal on, on that card too? Was Masvidal Maya on that card too? No,
2: thinking.
3: that was Dallas. Okay, I think I'm different. What well, it, it
4: was? It was the same thing with uh Benavidez versus Pettis. They were on the UFC Fight Pass pre yeah. and it was like, mm. what? Why? This is literally number I think at the time number two. Yeah.
3: Oh. Oh, oh there no. we go. There we lost him. Fine. Oh, and he's gone. I, I like that. Oh, he's yeah. He was a good guy. He was a good guy. You
2: hate. You hate to see it. You know who else is on UFC 218 though? Like <coughs> teacher Torres, Michelle Waterson kicked off the main card. All
3: right. Um, you know we only got a few TV. He can get back in, but we only have uh we have about ten minutes left before we gotta switch over to Yes, UFC for those stuff. of
2: you wondering, we oh. are going to
4: stream. Hey, hey. he's back. <laughs> Am I back? You're back. You're back. Alright, sorry my internet is so bad and every time someone calls me, it's like, yeah, let's just mess up everything you do, even if you deny it. But like <laughs> yeah, I was sense. saying, yeah, it's yeah, it's my life. But what I, what I was saying is uh, it is what it is, I guess. Um, you know, Sergio Pettis and Benavides number two and three were on the UFC fight prelims and uh-huh. if Pettis would have won, he would have got the title shot. But Benavides won, he had to fight like three more times after that just to get a title shot. So it's like, damn, at that time, you know, Benavides was a gatekeeper and was even super I guess uh promoted. But then again, years later, he's you know, the the, the two-time runner-up again mm-hmm. at, at a main event, you know. So it's it's kind of weird how they they promote us small guys, but it is what it is.
2: That was a blonde Joby that lost to uh, Sergio Pettis when he came in with a platinum yeah. blonde hair. The CM Punk show that yeah. card in Chicago.
3: I thought I, I kind of thought oh, I, 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 I kind of thought Joby won that fight. I mean, it was super close, though. It was super close.
2: Oh yeah, that was uh, you and I did the preview show for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, shorty. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was that was back in my pre MMA oh, fighting days.
4: Good, good times. Good times. <laughs> all right, all right. We got it,
3: we got it. we got fly through some uh, other questions.
2: Fly we well, through these questions. Do Uh, oh, man. All right. From Terence Leverett on Twitter: If Dana states that Habib's next fight will be a 170 against the champ, how do you see him doing versus Usman, the current champ? Or Gilbert with his hands and jiu-jitsu which fight would you like to see more i'm just gonna stop you right there neither fight's gonna happen all three of them are managed by managed by ali i don't think they're gonna want to fight habib which is ali's golden child right now so i'm gonna that none of those fights are ever gonna happen but i would favor him more against gilbert because he's fought at lightweight than Kamara uzman hmm.
4: i would rather see him fight uzman just because that's just a wrestler versus wrestler. I want to see who's more dominant. Again, the Sambo style or the Make American traditional wrestling style. And then obviously you have Khabib's ground and pound. K- you know, Usman's phenomenal at taking people down and holding them down, but he's not, he, he doesn't Khabib people. Like he's literally hashtag Khabib yeah. Nurmagomedov when it comes to the ground and pound. So I think that, I think it would be a more interesting fight with Gilbert because of jiu jujitsu, but I think that fight would end so much faster. All
3: right. And my answer is, I don't want to see a Abbees retired, and I don't want to see him fight again. He's done. <laughs> there you go. I'm putting I'm putting a one minute timer so we fly through these.
2: <laughs> Matt Duffy on the site, Joe Rogan, an idea if Joe Rogan is returning to do commentary for the Vegas pay per views, and have you really missed him over the course of the fight Island pay per views? Personally, I couldn't care less. if He comes back or not. With guys like DC Felder and Bisman doing the color commentary, I just find all the more knowledgeable. I find them all the more knowledgeable about the sport with with just as much personality i do not know if rogan's returning i assume he's going to return for the vegas card but i did not miss him on the fight island card not that i heard him because i was there live so i didn't hear it but i think dc Bisbing and felder are much better in the year of our lord 2020
4: (laughs) i think he's a great commentator and he's fun he's interesting but let's give it to the fighters. You know, these fighters are trying to make a living. These fighters are trying to do their thing outside the box, like myself, commentating. It is a huge thing, a huge opportunity, and it gives us a different source of revenue. And plus, our knowledge inside the cage is probably that much better than Joe Rogan's. There
3: you I go. Don't, I don't miss Joe. I don't miss Joe Rogan. I don't miss him. I think. I think. I think during the during the during the middle era of UFCs, like UFCs, like. Those middle paper UFC 50 UFC 55 you know I think Rogan was perfect for that time because he really educated the audience about grappling and like how much it sucks and how much you know maybe the parts that you thought were boring or it was actually exciting he would he did a great job of that but I think we're past that and I think it's time for like guys like DC and Felder and Dominic Cruz do, do,
2: do. um Joe Malkin on Twitter what is the main reason the upcoming pay-per-view card for the what is the main reason for the upcoming thin pay-per-view cards for the UFC to end the year with the welter with the women's featherweight title fight cancellation the top of the card was a bit lackluster for a usually high-profile show this Saturday's card also lacks star power well the defi- what is the definition of star power like you're not going to get Conor McGregor on every card also the like a lot of the other champions have fought recently or have fights coming up. So I just think we're in a point in time where this happens every year where there's just not a lot of quote star champions that are available, but shorty Casey, what do you think?
4: Well, with the COVID, you know, it's, you take whatever you can get. Sadly, again, 2020, it is what it is. But with this weekend's card, you have two title fights. You have both flyweight champions going up there and you have both of them being knockout artists. So when it comes to star power, it might not, they might not be as popular as Amanda Nunes or Conor McGregor or any other champion right now per se. But you have one that's literally the best in her division ever, creating history. And you have the other one that's, in a sense, re-highlighting the flyweight division. And it's a main event over the best flyweight fighter in women's division. So overall, I think it's kind of star power enough towards the end of the year. Happy Thanksgiving.
3: I think there to, you go. to make stars, you have to put them on big pay-per-views. So... Before there were stars, they were just fighters. So this is what you're watching. You're watching future stars this Saturday night. Yeah. Let do, me do, do. Uh, time we got. All right, gotta go. This is a this is a very important one.
2: <laughs> Joseph Boza, Yancy Medeiros tweeted a story that he was in the middle of getting lucky when Usada showed up. What well, was the craziest Usada story you guys heard from an MMA athlete? Shorty, I don't know if you heard this. Yancy Madero was apparently having fun times with. His wife, girlfriend, I'm not quite sure what his personal situation is, but <laughs> he was having fun times in, in the, bed. In the living room, right? A, in the living room, I guess, with a female, and USADA knocked on the door. So, of fighters you've been around, what's the craziest story you've heard?
4: Um, Wasn't there someone who said, like, a fake USADA came to his house, took his yep, blood? Yep, that was d- Danny. Then, gay. Like, that's... <laughs> That's pretty messed up. I mean, I haven't heard anything from American Top Team. I know I was personally tested like five times, three of them, in one week when I fought Alex Perez, which I didn't know if that was a compliment or it looked like I was on top, whatever the case may be. Um, I was like sniffing my nose, walking. I was like, what? Sorry. Um, but it's – I haven't heard anything. I haven't had any crazy stories. But, man, those USA meetings, they suck. They really, I've heard, really suck.
2: I've heard three. Tim Kennedy pulled a gun on a, USADA, uh, <laughs> a like agent or whatever because who, he didn't know who he was. Who doesn't Tim Kennedy pull a gun right. on? Yeah, right. what yeah, he like does that for
4: the pizza delivery. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's right. a handshake, yeah.
2: Tim Kennedy pulled a gun on one of them. Uh, Conor McGregor was on a yacht in, like, the middle of nowhere, and a USADA agent, like, showed up, like, on a boat. And uh, Who hasn't been Tyron, on a yacht? Right, right, right. The <laughs> and then Ty- Tyron Woodley said that I think it was a Super Bowl weekend where he was still the champion at the time. He was going to, like, some event with, like, Snoop Dogg and a bunch of other famous hip-hop artists, and he was, like, one of the premier athletes that was going to be there. And USADA gave him a heads up, like, hey, we're on our way to where you are now, so if you're going anywhere, stay where you are. And then got stuck in traffic, so he had to wait for them, and he missed, uh, like, a huge payday to be at, like, this hip-hop festival or whatever because he had to wait for USADA. I remember that one, too. Those are the three I've heard. How about the John
3: Jones story? He he confessed to himself. <laughs> oh, he was hiding under the cage. Yeah, for weed. Although it wasn't Usada. It was pre Usada. I yeah, think it was, it was actually USADA. it was um yeah the commission. But at that point, they were checking for weed, and you could have lost the fight for weed back then, which you can now. But maybe not. I don't know. But um, he claims it was because he he just he just um smoked a blunt that night. So, but um, I would I'd like to share a, a funny uh, Usada story. Uh, on a on a, on a recent Anderson Silva fight, after the weigh-ins, I went to the restroom, and when I went to the restroom, at the same time, Anderson Silva and the commission people came in to do a piss test for him, so they're in the stall right next to me, and this is Anderson Silva, so he's just like being Anderson Silva, and the whole time he's just yelling, I can't pee-pee, I can't pee-pee. <laughs> so, and they're just like sir sir you you, you need to go and you just kind of laugh and make you go i can't pee pee for the for the um Dude, you saw the guys.
4: they they get super close like even if you're not yeah, intimidated by peeing in public like they're literally like let's say the camera is your wiener in the cup they're literally like let's see are you yeah you're not you yeah, know you're good you yeah, know okay no you, can you do it can you do it yeah you should be good <laughs> it's like, hey man, um,
2: you you
4: should be good. Like, yeah. Like, wait, wait. Oh,
0: man,
4: little do little
3: do, shy, you, do does you saw it? Actually, do do they actually do they look at? Are they like looking yeah, at no, it? They, like, they, like, yeah, they're like coming straight, coming straight from it. the source. Not like you don't hand them a cup.
4: Yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't. You you literally don't do like the cup and turn around and try to pee because. They're afraid you're gonna have like some uh, Visine bottle or something in there to like pee fake water or you know what you know yeah. fake pee or whatever the case may be. They literally are like, no, show me the penis, let's see it come out. That's a beautiful stream. Oh, wow, you're really dehydrated, huh? Like they literally are just looking at you the entire time, and you're just like, I just want to let you know, you're ruining my confidence here, and I'm getting really really shy. <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad.
2: What was the Cody McKenzie story? Remember that one? What? <laughs> Cody McKenzie. I think he. It was. I think it was a urine test, and they wouldn't like provide a badge or. I know Alex Kaylee would know all the details on our site. Like they didn't provide a badge immediately, or they were being weird. So he didn't want to do it, and then they wanted to watch him pee. He's like, "Yo, this is this is sexual misconduct because you're trying to watch me pee, and I have no idea who you are." So he wanted to sue the agent for like sexual misconduct or whatever. Because he didn't know who he was and he kept trying to ask him to take his pants off and pee in a cup. But that's Cody McKenzie's
4: story. Well, that's pretty much what it is. And I mean, I get it because, like, even at college, we used to cheat all the time for the NCAA uh, hydration tests. We used to hide, like, Visine bottles. We either, like, fake hydrated piss, you know, somebody else's, like, hydrated piss, or we'd grab, like, pee and put a little water in there. So we just, like, squeeze it in there. But you would just see. The dude's back in the urinal but we'd be hiding the visine bottle in our underwear and just kind of like squeeze it in there and like, okay like no one can see but usada's like no we're coming in there with you all right let's see this like all right come on you know and they just it doesn't matter if, if you're out there for like five minutes or 30 seconds like they're gonna wait until you finish peeing do
3: you do they maintain eye contact
4: no they there's no this, or, or, or eye contact or, or it's, no it's, it'd it's, be it'd weird straight,
3: otherwise yeah they're, they're straight down. I, I am the prize, right? And Okay.
4: Like, 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 they're literally, like, looking down, doing this. Are you good? Are you, anytime now, buddy. You know, like, they're just, it's bad. It's it, it's so intimidating. Uh, I think but we're just, good. Like, anytime, anytime, they, anytime they stare at me, I was just like, I do that whole Friday after next. I'm like, it was cold that night. Like
2: that's funny well casey we're out of time right yeah, yeah. we're gonna end it on usada Pina in a cup talk because we got ufc media day shorty's got to get out to brazil and brazil dominican republic to do all kinds of dominican republic things probably has to take a shower after running swamp ass like you said uh but shorty anything you want to say anything you want to plug i know you got a whole bunch of foundations you'd like to talk about
4: um, I do want to say the Team Shorty Foundation next week on Tuesday already all sold out. I was able to donate 100 meals sponsored by E Clean Chicago to the Youth Rose uh, Foundation. Literally in 10 minutes, 100 meals were already gone. So uh, November 24th on Tuesday next week, I'll be doing the food drive. And I'm hoping that next year it gets so much bigger that maybe we get up to 1,000 meals. So I'm really happy. Team Shorty Foundation, please follow it on all platforms. And we can do well together with our team, Shorty. Thank you so much,
2: guys. Well said, Shorty. Casey, anything you want to say before we sign off? Everything Shorty said, wear a mask. Wear a mask. Stick around for UFC Media Day. See you next Wednesday. We're out. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.